There are three Bible readings today. Um, The first two are from Psalms. Psalm 119, and the first section starts at verse 33. Teach me, Lord, the way of your decrees, that I may follow it to the end. Give me understanding so that I may keep your law and obey it with all my heart. Direct me in the path of your commands, for there I find delight. Turn my heart toward your statutes and not toward selfish gain. Turn my eyes away from worthless things. Preserve my life according to your word. Fulfill your promise to your servant so that you may be feared. Take away the disgrace I dread, for your laws are good. How I long for your precepts. In your righteousness, preserve my life. I'm going to skip to verse 105. Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. I have taken an oath and confirmed it that I will follow your righteous laws. I have suffered much. Preserve my life, Lord, according to your word. Accept, Lord, the willing praise of my mouth and teach me your laws. Though I constantly take my life in my hands, I will not forget your law. The wicked have set a snare for me, but I have not strayed from your precepts. Your statutes are my heritage forever. They are the joy of my heart. My heart is set on keeping your decrees to the very end. The second reading is from 2 Timothy, and it's chapter 3, verses 10 to 17. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings, what kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium and Lystra, the persecutions I endured. Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evildoers and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learnt and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. This is the word of the Lord. The year of enjoying God. That's what we're calling this year here at Church by the Bridge, 2020, the year of enjoying God. And February the 2nd, on that Sunday, we launch it, explain what it looks like on the ground. But in the lead up to that, in the four Sundays to that Sunday, we're going to look at what have Christians been doing throughout the ages to enjoy God. And today, we're looking at joining God begins with reading his word. Now, I'm speaking primarily to people who struggle to read the Bible, right? If this is you, this is a sermon for you. Not, I'm not going to be comforted. I'm not going to introduce you to people practices where expected to read the Bible two hours a day and memorize all the genealogies. I'm speaking to 
you today if you struggle to read the Bible. It's like for those of us who struggle to lose weight, you know, the gym is not the first thing that comes to mind in the morning. It's not helpful when someone comes into your life and says, oh, I struggle to put on weight. I mean, I ate a whole tub of ice cream and lost 10 kilos. <laughs> Great, well done. You don't want to hear that, right? If you're here today and you know God's Word is good, you have a desire to read it, but it's tough, the sermon's for you. So to that end, let's pray. Gracious Lord, we thank you for your Word. I mean, there are so many copies of the Bible in this room alone. They're in English. They're accessible. Hard copy, soft copy, online. We thank you for that. But we thank you that we're not alone when we read it, that your Holy Spirit is with us, opening our eyes, giving us ears to listen and understand the wonders of your word. Amen. Well, Facebook reminded me that I have just celebrated my third year anniversary of working here at church as a pastor, uh, which means I've been working just by a couple of days more as a minister than as a high school English teacher. Now, someone asked me the other day, do I miss being a high school English teacher? I miss the holidays. Uh, I miss teaching boys in particular to read and want to read. But as I left the high school, I remember one kid asked me, why do you want to go teach people to read the Bible? And it got me thinking. I mean, I'm moving from one job where I teach a whole bunch of different books to another job where I just teach one. Just one. I think, I mean, why read the Bible? Here's, here's another question that being baffled. Why reread it? Because I've only reread a book once, and that was for the HSC, so I get better results. I don't normally reread books. As the psalm said in Psalm 190, the idea of meditating on a book all day long, I mean, I never did that with Lord of the Rings, Lord of the Flies, none of those. But you do with God's word. Why read it? Why reread it? The Bible, interesting, it gives us one big reason why you need to read the Bible. It's because we're forgetful. Not we forget, but we're forgetful. You know when Anzac Day comes around and there's that phrase, lest we forget. That's there not because we've forgotten about the answer. It's not like you wake up and be like, oh, that's right, I completely forgot the diggers. No, no, no. It's a day where we stop and we remember what's been done for us. And one of the big themes in the Bible is that we as human beings are prone to forgetting. And we need to remember what God has done. So what we're going to look at this morning is really just two things. We read the Bible to remember that God has spoken to us. We can know him. And the second thing we're going to look at is we reread the Bible because we often forget what he said. Okay? So firstly, it's interesting, right? The question why the Bible exists and why we exist both have the same answer. That the reason why you exist, why you're here, why you're alive, is for one thing, to know God. That's why you exist, to know God. Now, God made us not because he was bored, right? 
had some spare time, wanted a hobby. No, no, no. God, Father, Son, and Spirit, one God, three persons, has been in perfect relationship with himself for all eternity. He didn't need us one bit. He didn't need us to get some joy in his life. No, no, no. He made us so he can give joy. So we can experience what he's been experiencing for all eternity. Perfect relationship. The beautiful thing of being known and knowing others. That's why God made you. Adam and Eve, right? Walked with God. They dialogued with God in the cool of the day. Something we've never experienced. They knew God in a way that we don't. But they chose to not want to know God. And as they picked that fruit, they were picking an alternative way, a way without God. The Bible calls it sin. And because of that, we don't experience God in the same way as they do. But here's the thing. God hasn't changed. And the reason why we exist hasn't changed either. One of the reasons why the psalmist in, that ver- in the chapter Psalm 119 speaks of 176 verses right? That's a long time. It's about half an hour of words about how good it is that God has spoken. It's because he knows that through the word, you can know God. That God wants to be known. Even though our default is not wanting to know God, God hasn't given up on us. That's why the psalmist says, it's on the screen, in this dark world, verse 105, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. Verse 130, the revelation of your words brings light and gives understanding to the inexperienced. See, without the Bible, we would have no clue. We'd be stabbing the dark at who God is. But we know who God is because he's told us what he's like. In that second reading, 2 Timothy 3, it says, all scripture, all scripture is God-breathed from the very lips of God. And Peter adds in 2 Peter 1, that the writer of the Bible says, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. That what you have in your hand or on your seat is the way you can know who God is. That as you open up this book, God is speaking to you. But we forget. We forget that. I forget it. You forget it. We just treat it like a normal book on our bookshelf collecting dust or an app that doesn't get much usage. But we all need to be reminded that this is not just any book, but it is the word of God, the word of life, the word that brought life into existence. As you read the Bible, brings life into your soul, spiritual life, transformative life, eternal life. This book unlike any other book, changes lives forever. You know when the Bible is read to us in church, that is not just a warm-up act for the preacher, right? That moment is the very high point of our church service because that is the moment where we know God is speaking to us. So if you're a Bible reader here in church, Feel the weight of that practice, right? Because you are the mouthpiece of God in this service as you read God's word. I mean, I've been to churches where there's no Bible reading. 
A couple of verses are mentioned in the sermon, but there's nothing. And I leave it feeling like I do when I leave a kid's party. All hyped up, but not satisfied. Nothing filling my tummy. God speaks to us and we gather. That's what the church is, through his word. You know when you read the Bible one-on-one with God, right? Personally. Sometimes, oh, sorry, more often than not, we forget to do that, right? We just treat it like another book and we forget to do it. But here's the thing. You know those times when you feel distant from God, spiritually dry? The reason is, it's quite simple, it's just because you cut the word of God out of your life and you cut God out. But we forget that, don't we? I mean, when I go for a run, at the end of it, what is it I need? tall glass of cold water. But sometimes I reach for the Coke or the lemonade. Easy option. Satisfies in a moment, but I'm thirsty soon enough. Because my body needs water. And you were made to know God and you need the word of God. You can go for easy options. Social media, newspaper articles, listening to friends, family. But the word of God is what will satisfy you like nothing else would because you are made to know God. If you're a parent, there's a danger where we forget to give our kids the most important thing they need. It's not education. It's not experience. It's to sit with them and read the word with them. Let them encounter God through his word. I'm aware that for some of us, we don't know what that looks like. We have no idea what to do. And so in January, on the 20th and 21st, I'm going to be running a short practical workshop here, how to read the Bible with your kids. Mums come on the Monday, dads come on the Tuesday, and if that interests you, come along to that. Because that is the most important thing you can give your kid, is read the word with them. We're forgetful creatures, aren't we? We're made to know God and we know that God has spoken, but we forget it. So we read to remember that God's spoken, but why reread it, right? Because once you've got the gist of it, there's nothing new, isn't there? I mean, it's like you read and say, he rose from the dead. I didn't see that coming. Once you know Jesus rose from the dead, you know it, right? Why reread the Bible? Here's the second thing. We know God speaks, but we reread it because we often forget what he said. And let me give you an example. In the Old Testament, God's people have just been rescued from Egypt, from the oppression of Pharaoh for many, many years. And it says in Psalm 106 on the screen, they forgot. They forgot the God who saved them, who had done great things in Egypt, miracles in the land of Ham and awesome deeds by the Red Sea. You think about that for a moment. I mean, they have just walked through the Red Sea, walls of water on either side. They've watched it closed over the Egyptians. They've experienced food, bread, manna on their doorstep, quails to eat, water from rocks in the desert. They experienced all that, but they forgot. You know what's worse? The two verses before this one, verse 19. At Horeb, they made a calf and exchanged, uh, worshipped an idol cast from metal. 
They exchanged their glorious God for an image of a bull, which eats grass. What's that picking up is Exodus 32, where they chuck their earrings, their rings, their necklaces into the fire, mold a little calf, and you know what they say? This calf brought us out of Egypt. This golden calf saved us from Pharaoh. They just made it moments ago. How quickly they forgot. And you read that, you think, how ridiculous. How ridiculous. But you know what? We do the same thing, don't we? I mean, how many times you've left church hearing a sermon, the fact that God the Father provides for your every need, how much more are you worth than sparrows? Not too long later, someone asks you to be generous and we clinch onto our money tight. All the time when you're reading in the Bible, you know, you're justified by faith, your sin is forgiven by God, and then all of a sudden, you lash out in anger at a family member and excuse yourself. The times you leave Connect Group and you've heard about the power of the Holy Spirit to transform you, you can say no to ungodliness, and then moments later, you're viewing something online that you shouldn't. We are so forgetful. We need to read and reread to remember who God is and who we are because of it. Let me give you some practical examples of it. You need to read the Bible to remember that you're forgiven. Every day, Facebook reminds me of memories. So one of them was my anniversary of working here at church, but other memories are like this. Photos from days in the past that I would like to forget. I'm going to turn it off. <laughs> Memories like that that remind me. And there's going to be days, most days, where thoughts, things that you did, things that you said pop back up into your head that you deeply regret and you wish you could forget, but they haunt you. Satan reminds you of things that you've done, said, viewed, and asks you, are you forgivable? Does God really want to be with you? And they will plague you again and again and again. And so you need to remember every day what God has forgotten. Turn with me to, to page 1016. Colossians 2, turn to page 1016. Because when those things reoccur again and again, you need to be reminded of a verse such as this. Two Colossians, Colossians 2, verse 13. When you were dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of flesh, God made you alive with Christ. Here we go. He forgave us all our sins, having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he's taken it away, nailing it to the cross. You know when you're having an argument with your spouse, your friend, your parents, and you're, you're arguing about something, and all of a sudden the person you're arguing brings up something from the past? Oh, well, remember that time when you did this? Where did that come from? Right? I thought we were talking about this. 
I, I thought you'd forgiven me about that. God doesn't do that. When God forgives, he doesn't bring it up again. He's forgotten because of forgiveness. I love that word, all. He forgave us all our sins, even the ones that you don't think he can forgive, he can and has. Nailing them to the cross. Friends, every day you need to read the word to be reminded, ah, that's right, I'm forgiven because of Jesus Christ. This January, you might want to remind yourself of that by reading the book of Romans. Another example. You need to remember through the word that you're holy. You'll put all sorts of things in your resume. I presume holiness is not one of them. And yet, jump over the page to page 1017. Colossians 2, verse 12. Have a look at this cracker. Therefore, as God's Chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Moses in the Old Testament, he saw but an inch of who God was, and it almost killed him. Because God is holy and perfect, and we are far from it. But yet God has done such a work in your life, if you're a follower of Jesus, that he's forgiven all your sin, cleansed you inside out, washed all your muck away, so much so that God, the Holy Spirit, lives in you, calling you holy. Often when I'm meeting with someone you know, from church, and this may have happened to you, someone's trying to wrestle through maybe some doubts or the sin in their life, and I ask this question, what does God think of you? Right now. And often an answer will be mumbled out, like, oh, could do better, a bit of disappointment here, it's okay here. And I'll stop them and say, no. When God looks at you, he sees perfection. He sees holiness. Not a disappointment. Because when he looks at you, he sees his one and only son who made you perfect in his sight. Now, the reality is we still sin. And one day our reality will catch up with our identity. But as God looks at us, he sees us as perfect sinners. And you need to be reminded of that truth. Because when the days you feel dirty, ashamed, doubtful, a disappointment, a letdown, you need to remind yourself through the word that I am God's chosen, holy, dearly loved person. This January, you might want to remind yourself by reading the book of Leviticus and Hebrews. No book has made me fall in love with Jesus than the book of Leviticus. It's a challenging one but you'll see the wonders of who Jesus is in making us holy. Final example. You need to remember that you're loved. The most Google verse in 2019 
It's found on page 913 of your Bibles. And it will not become, I imagine, a surprise to many of us. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Now, that is a very familiar verse to many of us. What do you do when you're reading God's Word? It's familiar. It's easy to gloss over it, right? You know, like uh, 10 years ago, I was at the Louvre in Paris, and I saw the whole thing in under an hour. Now, some of you are judging me. I can see by your faces. I know as I looked in the Louvre and, you know, look, oh, there's Mona Lisa, there's a painting in and out, right? I missed a whole bunch of wonders that were before me. And we can do that when it comes to God's Word. We read it, yep, yep, no, yeah, okay, cool, done. But what you need to do is just slow down and bit by bit take a verse like this one, verse John 3.16. And say, for God so loved... So he loved, right? But look into that word, so loved. It's not just God loved, but so loved. The world. Well, hang on, stop. Let's think about the, the, all of it. It's pretty dark, isn't it? That he gave. What would I give the world? Well, not much. But he gave his one and only son. I don't think I'd do that. That whoever, whoever, gee, that's quite generic, isn't it? Whoever believes in him. Is that it? Just belief shall not perish. What does that perish mean? It's a good word, shall, isn't it? Shall not, that's a promise. But have eternal life. Not just life, eternal life. Look, as you do what I'm doing there, you, what you're doing is you're picking it apart, bit by bit, and say, what does that mean? That word, so, shall, small words, but so important. And as you do that, a familiar passage all of a sudden becomes unfamiliar. And you fall in love with it all again. I remember hearing of a married couple where the husband never said he loved his wife. And when asked the husband, why don't you say you love your wife? He said, well, when we got married, I told her I loved her. And if anything changes, I'll let her know. God is not like that. He knows that we need to be reminded every day that he loves us. And gone through his word is a declaration to you, three words, I love you. Are you listening? This genuine might be reminded of that truth by reading 1 John or the book of Ruth. Look, friends, I don't know how you feel about this theme this, for the year, the year of enjoying God. Most of you are excited by it. I know because you've told me. But when you've been a Christian for many years, right, sometimes an unhealthy pessimism and complacency starts to well up. And you say, enjoying God. Ah, yes. I used to do that once, back when I was young, back when... I was a new Christian before the kids, before work got busy. I used to do that once. It's like the older single person looking at the younger single person. 
You know, the youngest single person is doing four or five things in a night, social life, doing busy, 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 all that kind of thing, staying up late. But the older single person says, ah, that won't last. That won't last. Or the older married couple looking at the younger married couple, you know, the younger married couple, passionate, you know, they're, they're loving each other, making love three times a day. You know, and the older married couple says, ah, that won't last. Just you wait. And sometimes this unhealthy pessimism can well up in us who've been Christian for a while. We're saying, enjoying God. Ah, that won't last. One day you'll just cruise into boredom and wait till Jesus returns. But that is not how the Christian life is supposed to be lived. If that is you, if you resonate with that, know that that is not what the Christian life is. Because enjoying God is the Christian life because it is the eternal life of the Christian. Where you know God and enjoy Him forever. My guess, if you resonate with that saying, I used to do that. That used to be me. Chances are your memory's fading. You're forgetting. And you're holding on to words, words of the Bible, that you haven't actually read in a long time. You can recall them, but you haven't sat down and let God speak to you recently. Can I say, if that is you, God's word is what you need. You will not enjoy him through any other means but through his word because that is the way in which he speaks life into you. That is the way in which you remind yourself, that's right, I'm forgiven because it says so here. I am holy because God declares it. I am loved because of these precious words. It's 2020. The resolutions are pouring in. They're going to dry up soon. Can I encourage you, don't bother with them. Don't make resolutions, make habits, because they last longer. And so I want to give you an opportunity right now to begin to make a habit. So if you've got a pen, grab it out. If you've got a phone, go to the notes section. And I want to give you a couple of minutes to just write down the answers to two things, okay? Two things. As we begin to form a habit of listening to God. So the first thing I want you to write down is, what am I going to read in God's Word? If you're here and you're not a Christian, can I encourage you, Mark's Gospel is for you, where you find out who Jesus is. But if you are a Christian, pick a book in the Bible and say, you know what? Starting today, I'm going to pick this book and read it. Then with that in mind, the second thing is, what are you going to do with it? This is the beginnings of a habit, right? Now, here's the dangerous part. Because it's January, 
You make some crazy goals like, I'm going to read it three hours a day, every day. No, you're going to last three seconds, right? Think back to what you did 2019. What would your habits say? If you didn't read the Bible at all one-on-one with God, then just pick half an hour once a week. Find that time, it might be you know, Tuesday morning from 7 to 7.30, and that's it. That's the habit I want to form. If you're doing more than that, grow on it, right? Where's the time? Write down the time, the space, where you're going to be to listen God speak to you through his word. Does that make sense? What are you going to read and what's the habit that's going to come with it? Make it achievable. I'm going to give you a couple of minutes to think about that and write that down. I encourage you, this may be awkward, but it will be beginnings of the habit becoming real. Over morning tea, ask one another, what are you going to read? Because as you do that, as you verbalise it, all of a sudden it becomes a bit more real and less hypothetical. There's a challenge for you. But let me end with this. Uh, my wife's been reading a Leon, a Leon Moriarty book, What Alice Forgot, Big Little Lies author and that kind of thing. And in that book... Uh, it tells of a, a lady who's at the gym, fell over, and she forgot the last 10 years of her life. She thought she was married and pregnant. The reality was she was divorced, three kids. And we've been talking all week about what that would be like, you know, to forget the last 10 years and forgetting things and coming to remember anything. But that's fiction. What is reality? is that you and I so often forget. We forget. And God's word is there to remind you of who he is and who you are because of what he's done. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, as we write down these plans, we ask, Lord, that they would not be hypothetical, that they would become real, that we would find the time, that precious time, to let you speak to us through your word. We so often forget and think there are more important things to do, Lord, but there is nothing more important than for us to listen to you, our maker, to remind ourselves of the reason why we exist. We exist to know you and delight in you forevermore. We pray, Lord, that we'd be people of your word. Help us, Holy Spirit, to understand, to delight, and to regularly 
listen to you, our maker. Amen.